Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name's Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of the TV show filled with shady subterfuge, The Traitors, beginning with the most recent US version of the show, streaming now on Peacock and BBC. In episode 3, I had a brilliant guest, Andy Rutherford, who chatted with me about all things traitors. This time, it's just me, and I realise I'm following a bit of an alternating pattern of guest, no guest, and that pattern will continue next time, because I have a great guest lined up for episode 5. They are a musician and a fresh newcomer to the traitors, so I can't wait to get their thoughts on the show. For now, it's on to all the latest traitors updates and TT news. Firstly, on Monday the 16th of January, The Guardian published a review of The US Traitors, written by Alim Keraj, titled Pure Evil Shout at the TV Brilliance, giving the series 4 out of 5 stars, particularly praising Brandy, Kay and Michael as highlights of the show. Now the article draws a lot of comparisons with the UK version throughout, and closes by saying... Overall, it's a far more vicious approach, which only highlights how dynamic and unpredictable the format is. No two people will play the same way, even when they're meant to be working in tandem. The misstep here is the decision to drop all episodes at once. The Traitors feels best enjoyed through the communality of linear broadcasting. And I have to say, I agree with that. I think one of the aspects of the UK series I enjoyed was the fact that it was released in in segments. I think that on the BBC and on Peacock in the States, releasing the entire series all at once lost a bit of that sense of anticipation and lost the idea of everybody talking about it together at the same time. 
Now, The Guardian has a very high readership with a generally very positive reputation, so it shows just how widely The Traitors is being watched. The Guardian also published another opinion piece on the show, which was a little less kind to the US season, but I'll keep that until the end of the podcast series to discuss. Next up, US contestant Shelby Rodriguez has been answering a lot of questions about her time on The Traitors US on her Instagram stories, and you can still find each of these stories in her highlights, so that's just underneath the bio on her Instagram page. Uh, Shelby's Instagram is very easy to find. Her username is simply at Shelby Rodriguez, that's spelled S-H-E-L-B-E-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Or Z, if we're in America. Uh, her questions on the traitors include clarification on people being murdered or banished in the game, and Shelby explains that they do immediately leave the set with no contact with anyone else thereafter. She also says her number one advice for future players is simple, trust no one. She reckons players build friendships too easily and forget why they're there. Now, if you want to check out the rest of Shelby's stories about the traitors, be careful, there are spoilers. So if you haven't watched the whole season, I wouldn't check this out just yet. Next, Shelby Rodriguez was also in attendance at a Traitors US rap party in Hollywood. Other cast members present included Geraldine, Christian, Andy, Angelica, Bam and Azra, and they partied in Temple Kitchen in LA with crew members from the show. So they're clearly still on good terms despite the gameplay. And finally, there has been a Traitors US live event in LA. Streaming service Peacock, who are broadcasting the show in the States, have teamed up with Just Fix It Productions to create an immersive Traitors event in Karen Dellett House in LA. According to NerdReactor.com, media and influencers were invited to participate in the Traitors immersive gameplay experience, where they formed groups to complete different types of challenges, including concentration card games, solving riddles and unlocking chests. And of course, there were traitors in their midst attempting to sabotage games, an element that I can see being introduced in future series of the show, as well as banishments. I think that this is another sign that A, the show has captured the imagination of social media and the viewing public, but that also B, Peacock are clearly interested in building at least another series. Normally at this point I'd introduce my guest and I would ask them if they'd rather be a traitor or a faithful. And since I already answered this question myself in episode one, I thought I'd ask you. So I created an Instagram poll on the podcast's page at the Tradar Podcast, and the results were 57% of people said they would rather play as a traitor and 43% said faithful. What was really interesting was that three cast members from the Traitors Australia voted, Fee, Dirk and Olivia, all of whom said they'd rather be a traitor, even though they were faithfuls on the show. Now, I'm not counting that as a spoiler, since you do find that out in episode one. Now for this week's Tradar Traitor. Before I explain the rules, I just have to catch you up, because in episode two, I also played the Tradar Traitor with you and then forgot to reveal my lie in episode 3 as I promised. However, on the last episode, I did ask Andy, my guest, off-air, do we call it off-air if it's a podcast? If he had guessed my lie and he was wrong. So here's the truth. The truth was, did you guess 
and did not have an imaginary childhood best friend called Pepsi. Total lie, completely made up. If you believed it, I'm not sorry. We'll play again on this episode, so from here on in, I will tell you one lie. It will be a fake fact or a fabrication, not a pretend opinion. For example, I could lie and tell you that Alan wore a rainbow-patterned berry designed by Walt Disney this week. That would work, although I doubt you'd believe it. However, I wouldn't say I loved Alan's hat this week, and then later reveal that actually I didn't like it. That would be an opinion that I'd faked. And also, how could I not like Alan's hats? Sound good? I'll pretend you're nodding or giving me a thumbs up or screaming yes, and we'll move on to our episode 4 deep dive. Let's go. Episode 4 is all about Notegate. It's the best thing that has happened so far. So at the end of episode 3, we finish with Stephanie finding this note that Kate accidentally, whether it was accidentally or not, who knows, accidentally dropping a note at the round table. And it's the note that she wrote with Brandy where they listed names of people they thought were likely to be murdered off. Stephanie then, of course, picked up the note and took it straight to Siri who we know is a traitor. So episode 4 begins with the traitor's deliberations and Siri tells Christian and Cody very quickly about what is happening with this note. Now the note had Shelby and Amanda's names on it underneath the word murder and they realise that this is a great opportunity to frame Kate. So really they ought to kill off Shelby or Amanda because it will then definitely look like Kate is a traitor and was responsible for this. Their other option is Azra, because Azra had a slight confrontation at the previous roundtable with Kyle about people who are too quiet, and she sort of spoke up for the first time. So that's where we leave the traitor deliberations, and we go on to breakfast where we'll find out who they eventually picked. Firstly, Amanda enters in the third group of people who come into the room, obviously not murdered, so we know that it will be Shelby or Azra. Kate soon enters alone, which is quite unusual. So it definitely seems like the creator sent Kate in on her own because it would amp up the idea that she is a traitor, some sort of lone wolf. Of course, Kate sits down and very quickly puts on her shades, looking perfectly villainous. It's fab. Soon after, it's Shelby who enters last, and we flash back to the traitor discussions from the night before. They decide to go with Azra because, firstly, it might make Kyle look suspicious because the two of them had a disagreement in front of everybody. And secondly, they're sticking with their chaos in the castle routine. I... I don't really know why. I don't think this non-tactic is a tactic to just pick off random people with not much thought behind it, other than that it confuses everybody. I sort of think they should put a bit more strategy into it. And I think that Kate's note was perfect for her. I don't know why they didn't exploit it. Picking off Shelby or Amanda would have been absolutely fantastic for them. However, maybe they thought that they didn't need that for Kate to look suspicious and that people already thought that she was a potential suspect. Alan soon enters the room Quoting Macbeth again, "'Twas a rough night." I-, I talked about this in a previous episode. It's funny that the US production has gone with this motif rather than the UK version. Again, maybe it makes sense because Alan has a connection to Macbeth. He 
knows the play, he's performed it in various places. So I guess that makes sense. Angelica then leaves the table upset because of Azra's murder and we're definitely going to see more and more of these high emotions, particularly at breakfast in the morning. So we move on and the players start to have discussions about the note. And this is where Sari coins Notegate. Now, Stephanie starts telling the others the note's been passed around and Stephanie decides she wants to confront Kate at the round table. What's really strange is Kate wrote the word murder on the note. Why did she and Brandy do this? Surely that's really foolish. And although they weren't intending on someone finding the note, you'd think they'd be trying to be very careful. Also, my favourite part of the note is, and I don't think you see this until they show it at the round table later, that in the corner of the piece of paper, they've clearly tried to draw Alan. I mean, it must be Alan. It's a picture of a little figure with a hat and a scarf. So that was my favourite part of the whole thing. We now move on to this week's mission, The Wheel. Now, I wonder, look, I've questioned things before about the making of the show. Do we believe the Tombola? Do we believe that Kate, Christian, Shelby, Andy and Angelica were randomly picked? I'm really not sure. Because they've all stood out for a particular reason so far. Kate, who is obviously at the centre of Notegate this episode. Christian, who's a traitor. Shelby, who was almost murdered the night before. Andy, who has this whole roller coaster backstory, and Angelica, who was crying at breakfast. It seems a bit convenient that they are the people who have to go on the wheel first, particularly when you think about the questions that were asked of everybody, like who would win an award for the most emotional performance when we've just had two people being very emotional. It's all a bit convenient, that's all I'm saying. Something else I notice here is the editing of Andy crying and talking about their wife and baby. This is the sort of thing that makes me assume they're going to the final. No spoilers, this is all based on what I have seen so far and not what I know ends up happening. This is something that I notice throughout The Traitors and really throughout any sort of reality competition show. If you start to notice these patterns, you can pick up on who's been given the most airtime, who are they bothering giving us a backstory for, And when you have something like this where Andy is being given a lot of time to talk about a memory from their past and their life, it suggests the makers want us to invest in them because they're going to be around for a long time. I reckon if there are players you really don't find out very much about, you can bet that they won't be around for much longer. Or at least they won't be in it until the end. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We then have a change of contestants in the wheel. And again, the questions seem to match them very well. For example, we have Amanda, who is a nurse. And some of the questions are, who would you trust with your life? We've also got Kyle, who's a model and an actor. And one of the questions is, who is most likely to Google themselves? It all seems a bit too perfect. Christian even comments in his interview, the questions are so perfect, everyone thinks Michael is a traitor. Because there are questions about who's the most two-faced and who's changed the most since the beginning while Michael is on the wheel. At the end of the mission, the players have won $19,900, which creates a total prize fund so far of $94,900. So we're almost at the $100,000 mark, and we haven't even finished episode 4. After the mission, we go into more discussion in the cars and at the house. Kyle says this really funny thing, which is that the mission confirmed a couple of things. For example, who's the most two-faced when everyone voted for Michael. However, the mission didn't confirm that at all. It didn't actually confirm who's the most two-faced. All it confirms is who everybody thinks is the most two-faced. And this is something that comes up again at the round table. That whole mission was just about people's thoughts and opinions and perceptions. It didn't actually reveal hard-cold truths. And I think the players have forgotten that. Back in the house, Kyle also starts to think very logically about the mix of celebrities and non-celebrities for the choice of traitors. And he reckons there's likely to be at least one celebrity who's a traitor. And he seems to think that a female celebrity would be who was chosen. I'm not really sure why, and he doesn't really explain why. So then his suspicions turn to Siri, who's been a contestant on Survivor several times, and he thinks that she would be a great traitor. However, Stephanie's in the room at the time, and she claims that Siri is definitely not a traitor. She puts that to rest straight away. Right before we go into the roundtable discussion, Michael then, again, not doing himself any favours, just like last week when he was grinning when Brandy was banished, throws Quentin's name into the mix and so far it seemed like Michael and Quentin are quite close but now he's suggesting that Quentin might be a traitor and that he doesn't know if he trusts him it's all making Michael look very suspicious so we move into the round table and of course it's all about Notegate or at least it's all about Notegate at the beginning Amanda brings it up straight away and Stephanie then explains what she discovered Kate's tactic at this point is actually to play it very coolly. She gives quite a simple explanation of what happened, that she and Brandy were writing down names of who they suspected would be murdered that night. And from there on in, kind of just sits back and takes anything that's thrown at her. She She's almost given up. She doesn't really bother arguing. I think she realises maybe that either the more she argues, the more guilty she'll look. Or she just doesn't care at this point. Stephanie then brings up the mission, the wheel again, and suggests, well, we all voted for Kate as the person who's told the most lies, as if that's proof. Again, that doesn't prove that Kate has ever told any lies. All it suggests is that that's what people think about Kate. So I just think it's really funny that they've all believed their own opinions as 
definite fact. Kyle then turns attention to Michael and he brings up the fact that Michael, just outside the round table room, had mentioned Quentin, which again makes Michael look very, very suspicious in front of everybody. We also cut to Rachel talking in her interview and she says something really interesting. She brings up the idea of tactical voting and she suggests that you might not actually vote for the person who you genuinely think is a traitor. You might just have to vote for who you think everybody else is going to vote for. For example, she says she thinks Kate is a traitor, but she doesn't think there's any point in voting for her because she doesn't think she'll get enough votes to actually banish her. This is something that I don't think there was much of in either the UK or the Australian series, and this is something that my guest Andy spoke about last week. It feels like there's more of a sort of tactical group mentality in this US season. And we'll see that again in other episodes moving forward. Michael also goes along with this. As the revealing votes, he votes for Kate and says aloud, I don't think you're a traitor, I'm just trying to save myself. So there's this really strategic gameplay going on where people are either just voting in numbers for strength or they're voting to save themselves, even though they're not necessarily voting for someone they think is a traitor. At the end of the vote, none of this really works for Michael. He ends up with 11 votes and Kate has four. So Michael stands in the circle of truth to reveal, of course, that actually he's a faithful. What I've noticed in this season so far is there's not much preamble before they reveal whether or not they're a faithful or a traitor. I felt like in the UK series, the contestants liked to give little speeches and get very emotional and talk about their experience. But so far in the US season, the contestants have cut straight to the reveal and they might say a few things afterwards, like Brandy shouting and swearing at everyone last week, which was brilliant. And of course, this is now the third faithful in a row to be banished. And that's definitely a common theme throughout the different versions of the show. After the round table, we're back to the traitors discussing who they're going to murder tonight. And it seems like on one hand, Cody is really struggling emotionally with the game, whereas Christian is having a ball. Christian's having a great time. They realise that at this point they're going to have to change tactics and they can't keep randomly choosing people for not many reasons. They're going to have to kill off someone who is a genuine threat to figuring them out. Kyle and Ryan have both named Sari as a suspect and therefore Kyle and Ryan are on the chopping block this week. There's also a bit of conflict that breaks out between the traitors here. So Sari and Cody start to have quite an intense argument. Sari claims that Cody knows Ryan outside of the game and that he therefore won't want to murder him. But Cody blatantly disagrees with this. He says they don't know one another at all. He doesn't know what Sari's talking about. And the episode ends right in the middle of this really tense moment. Overall thoughts on episode four, I thought it was a great episode, particularly the focus on Notegate, although it doesn't play out as much as I thought it would, particularly at the round table. There's so much potential for that to be a huge point of explosion, but actually they talk about it for a few minutes and then move on. I really thought there was going to be even more tension as a result of the note. 
The wheel mission is good. It does its job of messing with them psychologically and turning them against one another. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. And we see this kind of task in various reality competition shows like Big Brother and RuPaul's Drag Race. I think so far the traitors are still doing a great job. They haven't received any votes at the round table tonight. However, Cody is showing signs of struggle, so I'm not sure how he's going to fare moving forward. I do have a final thought though. We left the episode on an ultimatum from Sari to Cody. She wants them to vote for Ryan or else it proves that Cody is too friendly with him because he apparently knows him outside of the competition, which Cody vehemently denies. And I wonder, looking back at the episode, is Sari just playing him? Is she just a mastermind? She does say that so far she's been going with the flow in terms of who they murder, so is she completely fabricating this idea that Cody and Ryan are friends outside just to manipulate Cody? I have a feeling she might be. Now, before we finish, just a reminder, you have been lied to. Yes, remember I was playing the traitor traitor and I have betrayed you. Do you think you know what it was? You might have to listen again. If you think you have good traitor hunting skills and you have detected what I fabricated, let me know what you think my lie was. You can get in touch on Instagram at the Tradar Podcast, on Twitter at the Tradar Pod, or you could email me at the Tradar Podcast at gmail.com. Again, I have a great guest lined up for the next episode, which I'm recording in a couple of days' time and which will be with you very soon. Beyond that, if you'd like to come on and have a chat with me about the Traitors US, or if you know someone else who would, particularly if you have a project or social media account to promote, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, I'll catch up with you in episode 5. Stay faithful. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.